The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. This is World Stage with Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Yes, it is World Stage. Exposing the tyrannies and exploring our power with deep dives into history, current events, dangerous trends, and the nature of reality. Before I introduce my guest, I want to describe a new post at Michael Chosodovsky's Substack. Spelled M-I-C-H-E-L. Chosodovsky, C-H-O-S-S-U-D-O-V as in Victor, S-K-Y dot Substack. Com, posted November 17th, Imperial Conquest, America's Long War Against Humanity, Worldwide Militarization. Just a few seconds of this. The following text was presented back in January 2014, and in his book, The Globalization of War, America's Long War Against Humanity. Introduction, the world is at the crossroads of the most serious crisis in modern history. The U.S. has embarked on a military adventure, a long war, which threatens the future of humanity. This war without borders is being carried out at the crossroads of the most serious economic crisis in world history, which has been conducive to the impoverishment of large sectors of the world population. Check that out. At Michael Chosodovsky's Substack, and that'll lead you into his globalresearch.ca, and there are other writers there, and the more we know, the better. Speaking of knowing awesome history and perspectives, with me this hour is Anton Chaitkin, an historian, an investigative journalist, who has made groundbreaking discoveries about the people who fought for mankind's improvement and their imperial opponents. Anton's 1985 book, Treason in America, from Aaron Burr to Avril Harriman, documented the takeover of U.S. policymaking by agents and allies of the British Empire. Anton co-authored George Bush, the unauthorized biography, the only serious biography of Bush Sr., which helped defeat him in his 1992 re-election attempt. Anton's most recent book, Who We Are, America's Fight for Universal Progress, from Franklin to Kennedy. Three volumes. Volume one's already out. He's working on volume two. Volume one is 1750s to 1850s. Is, an, is a historical page-turner about the people who made America an industrial world power. Thank you very much for joining me again today. Anton, how are you? I'm good. It's great to be with you, Bruce. And uh, it's a, a very important time to look at history now. Amen. I want to thank you for bringing to the world... Alexander Hamilton's uh, system of economics. There. Everybody pin that in your head. I've got it pinned in my heart. And now um, I really want to proceed along the lines that we, you know, emailed back and forth. You t- you introduce what 
you're bringing to the table here, my friend. Okay, well, we have uh, a, a a terrible situation uh, currently in the Middle East, uh, and uh, I was at a concert recently, and a great violinist, Pinchas Zuckerman, uh, got up and said to the audience that he was born in Israel, and his parents were Holocaust survivors, and he never dreamed that he would live to see another Holocaust. But that's going on now. He said, this is was right near Washington, D.C., so he had to put this diplomatically. He said, this is going on on both sides. But you have, if you know people in Israel, get in touch with them right away and tell them this has to stop. So uh, now the Middle East, the war, which is a, a danger of going to world war, aside from the ter terror that's going on there, uh, can be uh, uh, can only be stopped with a peace plan. And the peace plan has to ha have two elements. Uh, security for the people of that region, for the two sides in this immediate conflict and, and broader security. And the second part is economic progress and development that secures the future. Uh, now, to do this uh, seems impossible because I'll talk about what, what you'd have to do because it involves cooperation beyond what the U.S. is willing to do now. But the U.S. itself is responsible to, to bring peace to that region because the U.S. is, is uh, pouring the arms in there, has, has organized the, the, this mayhem in, in many ways. Uh, and, and no other country is, is, is set up to do it. Now, if you think it's impossible for the U.S. to change uh, to do that, we have to look back at American history. I'm going to bring up three points in American history that show that what I'm proposing has been the policy of the United States. And uh, the same people that are trying to prevent peace right now uh, were the ones who, who killed it before. And they are not, they're not really Americans. They are, they're, it's an international faction. So first look back at the reconstruction after the Civil War. And the real problem there was that the South was backward after the end of slavery. It had been back, kept backward by slavery. And so Lincoln and his close circle uh, of nationalists, economic nationalists, like Henry Carey in particular, proposed uh, uh, after Lincoln's death that Lincoln's uh, program be continued by changing the South economically and socially. And you do that by, by industrializing it, using the resources of the region, the iron and coal and other minerals, uh, bring in immigrants, build up modern industry. At the same time, you have to start off with troops, federal troops, to guard the uh, African-Americans who have been freed from being uh, uh, attacked. But you can't rely on troops forever. You, that's an initial phase. But you have to transform the region in the common interest of both black and white. And that was the proposal of the nationalists, including 
the the power power uh, interests in Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania, like the Pennsylvania Railroad. Who who killed it? Northeastern financiers and, and the city of London financiers working together that said we we want the South as cheap labor and we do not want government intervention as a model. Uh, we don't want federal subsidies for railroads or or high tariffs. And so they killed Reconstruction and abandoned the blacks. This faction then came to power on Wall Street. They, the FDR called them economic royalists. Now, fast forward to, uh, to Franklin Roosevelt, World War II. Uh, you had a... Uh, the, the, this terrible conflict coming to an end in 44 and 45, and FDR proposed that the world be given an era of peace and progress. And this would require the United States and, and the other large countries, namely Britain, Russia, and China, the, he called them the four policemen, together with the UN based on national sovereignty, not globalism. And they, the, the, this force would guarantee the security and prevention of war. In other words, if, if some regional uh, enemy of another regional enemy decided they needed revenge, that would be forbidden by this power, led by the U.S. and, and Russia and with Britain and China. So the, the other part of it is that you have to change the nature of those societies, not by imposing something, but by uh, allowing those countries to use their own resources. He started with Iran as the model. They have tremendous oil resources. Get the British out of there who control the oil company. Let the Iranians use that oil and we will help them with the technology. So you've got to develop the world on a new basis for modern conditions. That was FDR's program and policy. Who killed that? The same financial and, and uh, 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 you know, ideological interests that, that did it uh, a generation earlier uh, with Lincoln. By the way, my father was a, 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 a principal figure in the boycott against Nazi Germany. Uh, in 1933 and four, he was a Wall Street lawyer and he sued Wall Street companies working with Hitler. And he was involved in a boycott by the American Jewish Congress, a uh, boycott of Nazi Germany. Who killed that off? The same bankers, Rockefeller, Morgan, one Jewish bank, the Kuhn Loeb. These are people associated with this, the London, New York axis of power. They hated what the U.S. stood for. This is anti-American as well as pro-fascist. So they betrayed FDR after the war when he was dead. John Kennedy, fast forward to the 60s, he revived and updated uh, FDR. And he proposed that the U.S. and Russia, he's an anti-communist like, uh, like FDR was, but he proposed the U.S. and the USSR cooperate to solve some problems that that the the regional enemies like Israel and the Arabs Pakistan and, and India and so forth cooperate for projects that would that would uh, change and upgrade the labor power of the region nuclear 
energy uh, power stations, uh, the space program, all based on cooperation, desalination of seawater. Do it cooperatively between these countries and have a, a regional force in place to prevent war while you build up the uh, the uh, common interest uh, program. So what, what do you have to do now? And of course, how was that betrayed? Well, our government was overthrown basically by murdering Kennedy. And you got a completely different regime by these same killers uh, with you know, de-industrializing. De so let's go forward to now. What do you need in the Middle East? You and maybe Robert F. Kennedy Jr. could propose this. You know, he's in a good position to do it if he decides to. Uh, or another voice. But what you have to do the is you have to have uh a security arrangement, uh multilateral, and it has to be east and west. There's no way around that. The US and the and 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 the so-called West. And the uh, Eastern countries, China, Russia, and, and other uh, large countries, and Japan and Germany, they have to guarantee that the war ends. It's beyond a ceasefire, because you can't do it just with a ceasefire. And at the same time, you have to have a vision of a the kind of peaceful foreign policy that will allow for the kind of projects that FDR and Kennedy we're proposing that's America's policy. The current policy doesn't come from the U.S. It comes from uh, international interests. It's not a conspiracy theory. This is the way the world works. You have offshore banks, you have multinational corporations, you have think tanks, and you have a, a vestigial, you know, way of thinking from ancient times, from feudalism, from long ago. The United States made all of that obsolete. So why, why still have that kind of world? We have the responsibility to end this new Holocaust, and we can do it. We only have to do it once. Don't have to say mankind is going to live in a utopia. Just do this one thing of getting an end to this war based on an idea that the war is can't be allowed. To do that takes some some change in the policy but that's the only way that's practical you to say that we're gonna we're gonna gradually work out some kind of way of the two countries getting along and so forth that's crazy it has to be done from the outside and the u.s has to do it if i could pick you up and take you to your favorite restaurant right now anton i would because you just put together not only what's empowering and awesome and vital to know about American history. You put it together with the top of the mind, urgent situation there in, in Israel right now. And it's a great, it's a great uh, perspective. And if not, if not gift, when we come back, we're going to take a break in a minute, but when we come back, the floor will be yours to to further develop unless that was the 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 thing you alluded to in your email we'll find out when we come back but i got good news you know you and i are going to talk about it at least a little bit or as much as you want um those policies that did unleash the 
productive power and the wealth thereby created here in the United States, and it can do it again. And the more people who know about it, the more hope people will have in order to rouse themselves to try to fight City Hall, which ever seems hopeless, but the level of hopelessness nowadays is a big challenge. Anton Chaitkin is with me. And now here is important information from TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. More and more, we're seeing Netflix documentaries, which are completely fictional, or at least in large part fictional, and they're being portrayed as historical fact. Poll after poll after poll shows that young people who, by definition, have no historical context, believe that what they see is what actually happened. And this goes well beyond Hollywood movies with their classic, based on a true story, disclaimer. These are actual documentaries, or at least they're put out as being actual documentaries, when in fact they're not. A documentary sticks to the facts. That's part of what being a, a documentarian is all about. It's not opinionaries. It's not conjecturaries. It's documentaries. And more and more, we're seeing that these documentaries aren't documenting facts. They're documenting the documentarian's political interpretation of facts while completely omitting facts that disagree with their chosen narrative. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. When a crisis hits close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines ready to serve. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. The demand for charitable services has skyrocketed, and nonprofits are rising to meet the needs. Healing. Nurturing. Rescuing. Honoring. Protecting. Caring. Inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations of all sizes, across all missions, has never been more important. And it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you. Together, we change the world. The Nonprofit Alliance. Without CO2, the world stops breathing. CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. With me is Anton Chaitkin. Please follow him at his substack, Anton, A-N-T-O-N, Chaitkin, C-H-A-I-T, K-I-N dot substack dot com. Again, thank you very much, Anton, for walking me through what you just shared. Was that the bulk or the gist of the preliminary thing you had told me you were eager to to share? Well, I'd like to I'd like to get a little bit deeper into the reconstruction that I talked about, the uh, the. Uh, Lincoln's agenda and the continuation of that after he died for a period of about eight years, maybe all the way 10 years or so, uh, there was a fight over yeah. what what would happen in the United States, a, a deep fight. So can I, 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 I just want you and, and uh, by all means, I just first want to thank you and mention again what I said at the top. Alexander Hamilton's American system of economics 
which I'm sure you'll describe in the in the in the what you're about to share about Reconstruction. So thank you very much. Yeah, you know, Lincoln Abraham Lincoln was a lifelong economic nationalist and a visionary. Uh, he uh, Alexander Hamilton and really Benjamin Franklin had developed. Uh, with Washington, the other, the other, Washington and Franklin were the two leaders of the revolution, and Frank, Hamilton worked with both of them. Uh, Hamilton's program for government uh, uh, sponsorship of progress, of, of industry through tariffs uh, and through credits uh, and control over uh, speculation through national banking and uh, building up of transport networks. So this is a program for developing our country, and it's how the country was developed. It didn't happen while Hamilton was alive, but it, that's the way it did happen uh, when uh, the enemies of this, pro of this Hamilton policy were not in power. So what, what were the two sides here? On one side, you had these economic nationalists. Uh, they were in politics and they were also in industry uh, and science. Uh, the, really the center of this for, for a century or more was in Philadelphia, uh, where the government was uh, during the revolution and sometime afterwards. Uh, and so this was uh, people like Henry Clay, uh, Lincoln later with uh, Henry Carey uh, and other other theorists, the Pennsylvania Railroad, uh, other very very uh, important uh, capital goods makers like like the Baldwin Locomotive Company, and very very uh, inspiring set of institutions, uh, and there were some in New York too, and and some connected with uh, with. Uh, the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Well, these are the economic nationalists and the, the visionaries who wanted to uh, increase the power of the United States by industrializing the country and displacing the, uh, the uh, plantation system. Don't let that system exist anymore. In other words, industrialize the South with uh, to have a, you know iron factories, later steel mills, uh, modern cities, science centers, and family farms where the farmers are scientific and independent. That's the, that's the American system of, of uh, Hamilton. And it means you, you, the government has to intervene in favor of having that kind of private enterprise. Uh, but it, it can't happen unless the government protects it. So uh, Lincoln and, and other people in his small circle of really close uh, uh, supporters of these nationalists uh, believed in man's capacity to have a really great future all over the world. He he believed in universal progress, as any of these this this uh, faction did. On the other side, you had the Southern slave owners, in particular the big landowners. Uh, they exported their uh, cotton and, and other products to England, particularly cotton. And the, the, the British sent manufactured goods back here. New York City had importers and uh, brokers 
And Boston had uh, old families closely connected to the British Empire in uh, Asian adventures like opium trafficking, earlier slave tra tra trading. Uh, and this faction then was London, the whole hierarchy of London, with their supporters and co-thinkers in the Northeast and in the Southern slave owners. And for a time with that connect combination, they ruled the country with the South lording it over everybody in Congress and, and the presidency. So we, we get, get into a civil war, which Lincoln didn't want. He becomes president through the intervention of the faction that I'm talking about. And I, I developed this whole thing in, in the book. This is, a, this is a different history of the USA. This is two sides fighting it out that you don't learn about in the history books, but you can track any of this yourself. This is not like some secret history that only, only I know about. This is mainstream history that the mainstream uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, historians are beginning to look at with Henry Carey and these nationalists, because the the current system is 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 bankrupt. So what what Lincoln uh, was trying to do with the South was to change its nature, particularly by using the resources that you found in the mountainous areas. That that would be uh, parts of Tennessee, the Tennessee Valley, into Alabama, uh, parts of North Carolina. Uh, uh, and there you have iron and coal and uh, many other minerals, and you have a population that's independent. These are people that didn't care for these uh, East Coast uh, large landowners. Uh, and, and when they were in, in good shape, they didn't go along with being pitted against Black people. They weren't interested in that. They were more interested in economic progress. So Lincoln and, and Henry Carey said, look, let's, let's change the South by developing a particular this area. This is something that Franklin Roosevelt did later on with the Tennessee Valley Authority to give a boost, a great boost and increased wealth to the South, but on a new basis so that their profits and their higher wages and so forth give them hope for a real beautiful future that is not based on uh, simply giving, you know, poor and degraded white people the idea that, well, they're better off than blacks, so you can do anything to me. I don't care as long as I'm better off than this other guy. It's just complete stupidity. Uh, Martin Luther King knew that history, and he talked about that. So what happened? Uh, there, was a, there was a remarkable tour uh, uh, during this Reconstruction period. This is in 1866, 67, 68. They're fighting about whether rights will have the right, Blacks will have the right to vote in the South and whether these plantation owners will come back and, and, and still rule even though slavery's abolished. Well, this congressman from Philadelphia who's in this nationalist circle named William D. Kelly, look him up, K-E-L-L-E-Y, wonderful man. He goes down South and he's risky because he's known as a as a real fervent abolitionist and black rights man. So he goes down there and he speaks to black and white audiences in the South. He only encountered one riot where a couple of people were shot right next to him on the platform. But otherwise, 
the very good reception. And what he told them is, we need to have millions of people in the South working on a new basis, an industrial basis. We need to have hundreds of millions of people living in the, in the Mississippi Valley with industries and with transport on a completely new basis. We need to have the iron industry that you have suppressed under this stupid free trade doctrine that leaves everything in, in you know uh, backward. Get rid of that. Now, I'm told, he said, that the South is so backward it doesn't have any intelligent labor force. They're all illiterate. They're all stupid. I don't believe that, and I'll tell you why. This morning, he says to this crowd in Alabama, this morning I was at a school for freed slaves, and I talked to a little black girl who's seven and a black boy who's eight, and I quizzed them on what they were learning in, in, the, in the, sub, the school subjects, and I find that they were brilliant. So there is your intellectual labor force of the future. You have it right here. All you have to do is give up uh, mistreating the underclass, the poor people. Just give it up for your own benefit, for the benefit of everybody here. Why, why not have the South rise again on the basis of modern times so you can be well off and rich? Now, this was a great threat to the whole international imperial system, the system where countries like the U.S. and others would send raw materials, or Africa did the same, they send raw materials to the imperial center in London or somewhere, and, and they would get back finished products, and maybe they'd, they'd send them guns to go fight their neighbors in their, in, in their place, like we did in the Civil War when the, the British armed the South. Uh, this, what we're proposing now with Lincoln's legacy after he was murdered, was uh, a threat, a complete threat to the system because the US was clearly rising in its industry. And by the way, the people that were proposing this up in Philadelphia, uh, the Pennsylvania Railroad leaders, for example, were themselves building the U.S. steel industry from scratch. There was no steel industry. They did it. They advocated tariffs. They got tariffs passed to protect it. And then they actually built the companies and organized the whole industry. It didn't happen because some rich guy wanted to make more money. There wasn't any such industry. Same thing happened with Edison and electricity against the wishes of Wall Street. So this is a threat to the British. And what they did is they brought in a whole torrent of attack against the weak link in this in this uh, nationalist uh, uh, faction, and that was that they were they there was the money was tight. We had a terrible president after Lincoln. It was uh, Andrew ja Andrew Johnson, and uh, so the, the business conditions were bad. The, the uh, Northeastern uh, uh, so-called reformers, like liber so-called liberals today, who are reactionary, who, who are, who are what you would, I used to call right-wing. That is, they're not for progress. They don't believe that people should have higher wages, better living conditions, and so forth. So they ran these scandals against railroads and against industry. 
Uh, and in particular, they were attacking the, the project of the nationalists, the Northern Pacific Railroad, which was supposed to be the second transcontinental railroad, and the, and the financier of that, Jay Cook, who's a Philadelphia banker. And they bankrupted him by an attack on his credit and by, you know, by uh, running uh, uh, stories against him internationally. When, when, he's, when his house failed and, the, and that railroad failed, there was a collapse of the entire system. That was in 1873. And these nationalists were weakened. And all of these so-called liberal reformers up in Boston uh, abandoned their previous stance of being for abolition of slavery, which they had before the war. Now that slavery was illegal, they had a whole four million blacks in the South who could be used as cheap labor in the same plantations or sharecropping or some other way. And, and it wasn't just to make money. It was to keep this international system that they were a part of going on this basis. But the steel industry, the oil industry, that was developed by these same people, not by Rockefeller. He took it over and, and destroyed Tom Scott and the Pennsylvania Railroad people who had, who had built up the oil industry with the independent producers. It started in Pennsylvania. I'm developing this whole story in my book, volume mm -hmm. two, which is the Lincoln era. Lincoln's life, what he believed in, what he understood, what America was all about as the builder of modern civilization. We helped other countries, Germany, Japan, Russia, Colombia, other countries, Mexico. One of these guys from Philadelphia built the National Railways of Mexico, wanted equal you know, uh, growth of two countries who would be sister republics, not imperialism, not Teddy Roosevelt bullying. So this is the true history of the United States. When you talk about the other faction, the imperialists, the bullies, the killers, they don't agree that the United States should ever have had their the American Revolution as a real revolution. They, 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 and, and they had this whole Anglo-Saxon idea. What's that? The Anglo-Saxons today, or what you might call them the Anglo-Americans, are making the world into hell right now, just like they did several times before. But that is that doesn't represent American values. The Lincoln yeah. and Washington... And, and and FDR and Kennedy, different parties. That's that's the real America. That's who we are as a people. It's an absolute re revelation um, that is just invigorating, Anton. And we're going to thoroughly explore it. Anton Chaitkin, historian extraordinaire, heart on fire to advance the cause of universal progress and development and happiness. And now here is important information from TNT Radio. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Once again, I'm going to quote from my buddy Mark Marano's Climate Depot. This is just unbelievable what I see going on at this summit between Biden and the Chinese government. As a matter of fact, 
The most alarming thing is that John Kerry was anywhere around that place. These two guys and their administrations have been bullying the United States of America over a problem that even if it existed, we have very little to do with it. Australia, UK, you have nothing to do with it. Canada, you have nothing to do with it. Seriously, if you look at the amount of CO2 you put in the air compared to total CO2, it truncates to zero. Now, who is the biggest polluter, if you want to call CO2 pollutant? It's China. So expert raise alarm after Biden strikes climate agreement with China to shut down fossil fuels. What, what kind of insanity is this? China thumbs their nose and laughs at the rest of the world. And guess what? It's our fault they do it. You know why? They know darn well that this is not a big disaster. They know darn well they have to push forward their population. I mean, I realize China's in bad shape as far as freedoms go, but they are trying to work in their own whatever manner to try to create more freedoms and more prosperity for China. So of course they're going to sit there and try to stop the United States. And these guys just walk right into it. It's disgusting. Americans are letting a guy and his buddy John Kerry bully them over a situation they have precious little to do with. Let me read you the facts. CO2 is 0.042% of the atmosphere. Man is responsible for 3 to 5% of that. The United States is responsible for 10% of that total. Australia, Canada, the UK, about 1%. Essentially, it's nothing. Much ado about nothing. They weaponize weather in a phony climate war. It's unbelievable. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. I need to go get my rabies shots. The thing that drives me every day as a dad is him. Every day he's hungry for something. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. It's okay to make mistakes. As long as it's coming from love, then it kind of starts to work itself out. Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. With me is Anton Chaitkin, historian and investigative journalist. And Anton, I keep hitting this uh, this bell, the American system of economics, and it's it's you're describing it fantastically because what I didn't know, and I've read history all my life as a lay person, okay. And as recently as 2021, when my book came out, in the page about uh, the lead up, well, there's in the area about the lead up to the Civil War, I get the American system wrong. And then within you know a short amount of months, I uh, discovered Matthew Arad at the Rising Tide Foundation, and then discovered you and devoured your books. And I'm I'm still doing backflips over over it because what it let. America do at the time and what it could let us do again. But what's thrilling was this discovery that those economics let America fulfill the promise of its ideals. It's thrilling enough to say we've created a government that protects our rights and now we can be free and blah, 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 blah. 
But this history that you've put into volume one, now you're in volume two, volume three is to come, who we are, America's fight for universal progress is, is gargantuan in its impact and its implication. And uh, it's, it's, uh, that's my pitch why folks have to find your work, find your Substack, and get volume one. And now, uh, as you described in the first segment, how it could revitalize the region in the Middle East with a vision for all the people there. So what would you reflect back to me, my, my high praise here about uh, your work in the American system? I would like to uh, make a point about that program of Hamilton's, which was also the program in many respects of Lincoln, and it was in, in in different ways, but still with with uh, in the twentieth century with FDR. Even though he he praised Jefferson, uh, he really followed the, the this uh, precedent of Hamilton for government protection of American interests. Uh, however, you have to look beyond what normally you think of as economic program. There are certain assumptions being made by these greatest leaders and by uh, people who, uh, you know, who uh, are, are the, are the uh, uh, philosophers and teachers and others that work with them. Uh, some of the military men, some of the best. And these assumptions have to do with the nature of human beings and the responsibilities of human beings. Some of this becomes incomprehensible in the current generation where we've, we, we don't have quite the identification with productive industry, you know, we, we were a, a skilled nation far more than we are now. We don't have the same identification with uh, uh, classical culture that we did in, in the working class and middle class. Uh, we, I'm talking about classical music. I'm talking about, you know, studying ancient history and, and things like that. Uh, and we don't have the same religious conceptions moral conceptions uh which which in many respects depends on the kind of productive life that you have but for example uh the idea of war is itself uh it, war is the enemy of the american system the way the empires have conducted themselves and, and attempted to subdue mankind is not just that they conquer people with force of arms, but they keep a, 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 a perpetual war going on and they glorify war. Uh, you need a military in the modern world as part of a, 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 a functioning society. You, you have to have a strong and, and very well-trained military. But the idea that war is, is a glorious thing and that, that killing people is legitimate uh, 
and and not something that is something that you resort to in extreme emergency cases. That's an insane idea because killing is 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 forbidden by God and by every every aspect of our being. And so you have to have a the American system and the, the thinking of the founders and of the people who carried this on later is that you have to develop the economy and the society to the point where people are motivated by stronger things and and uh, better things than revenge and other stupid and suicidal ideas you have to have conditions that are that that induce people to peaceful to a peaceful existence on on your in your neighborhood you have neighbors that aren't out to kill you right why is that not the case for the world there's no really natural reason why nations should kill each other that's it's it's a falsehood this is something that is induced by the system but a higher culture a high more civilization is the way to to solve this but these are the assumptions of the divine nature of man and his high destiny that's the idea in the mind of all of these greatest American leaders and the best in Europe the best in China the best in other countries and in, uh, in in every culture this is the idea of man that the best human beings promote to try to improve themselves and others well the it's profoundly uh impactful what you've just shared so to try to parse how we got to this i i don't even know if i that pales in comparison to you know the the old adage focus on what you want and it's it's really doing the personal work to find that personally what do we want you know if a human being could be really really honest with themselves it would be i want peace i want happiness i want to be able to enjoy my life and then it's an unarguable golden rule i can't have those things unless i want them for each and every other each and every person from my closest circle my family with whom i live to my friends and then the people at the grocery store and the person at the gas station you're absolutely right if we could have a neighborhood where we safely travel why can't we have a world like that anton you are working so hard to describe from the past what empowered past generations you, it's undeniable that the same type of principles and strategies would work again and it's just uh it just it's just a privilege to uh encounter this perspective and this history and to just to know that the you know the answer is in the question what do we do how do we go forward oh it's by learning this getting certain about it 
and sharing it in every way, shape, or form to every possible person. And probably first of all, it's to calm down and That's right. do that, do that I, gut check. I'd Reflect like on that if you something. would. Yeah. And then I have well, a I question. Like, Go ahead. Yeah. I, I'd like to just say a little something about my own project here. What what am I what am I aiming at? I by by reviving and this really discovering the history of America at its best at its at its uh, most profound contribution to the world and to its own people uh, I want to give people uh, uh hope and courage that we that that's who we are that, that that we could do that I have a as you mentioned I have a substack a subscription uh it's going pretty well you know people are are joining that we're we're going to do a zoom session with uh, with subscribers next fr uh, Friday November 24th at seven o'clock Eastern US time uh but I, I I need support because I I uh, this this kind of uh idea I believe is when you do something that brings out beauty everybody really likes it there's a tiny minority that doesn't you bring this to parents and 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 kids in schools you bring classical music in there and you bring this kind of history people love it uh they 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 hunger for it and so mm -hmm. i need to get support of people uh i'm working on the book the second volume which is a completely new history of of the of the core uh events and people of the of the 19th century this this will be the first one was through the revolution and into the, the first phase of industrialization and then the third volume is going to be the 20th century focusing on the the uh the enemy and particularly on FDR and Kennedy uh and and uh Kennedy being the last I would say the last truly American president in the in the sense that we've been discussing uh I am making the book that I'm writing available to paid subscribers on Substack, uh, you know, like uh, one chapter at a time. It hasn't been published yet, but I want people to see, you know, the discoveries as they're being made about what, what what's going on there. I, I, I'm 80 years old and uh, I have, uh, you know, very limited resources but we have we have through the internet and through many uh creative people we have archives that are open and available and 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 the books from these previous centuries and for, and and, and uh, from all over the world that I can access I've been working on this theme that's in this uh, uh who we are uh three volume work for about 50 years so there's a lot in this and it's things that people haven't considered about human greatness and how we got the modern civilization that you should not give up it's something that it, it was was achieved by good people and by great people and by uh working people and by people that that had to give up their lives 
to fight those who, who wanted to destroy it. Right now, they're, they're, we're talking about having civilization in danger, grave danger. You add this Israeli war to the war of Ukraine and Russia, and and you know the people, the the killers want to want to expand the war, and uh, the, these I'm talking about people, a faction in the U.S., the, the ones that killed Kennedy, uh, they're still operating. You know, there's a faction in the Pentagon. There's a faction in the CIA, and so I, I, we, we, it's in danger. What we, what we fought for in the past is in danger. So, support what I'm doing. Help me get this out. Do your own work, your own research. I, I, I offer people, you know, the kind of footnotes and sources, and I hope teaching that allows people to go and do their own, uh, you know, make their own discoveries on the same basis. Look for what's this this beautiful uh, uh, fight for progress and for universal progress that we had in the past. Look for it and look and see how it was, how it's shaped up on both sides. I, I can't help but think of the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Because by wanting universal progress to the last person on earth who is yeah. struggling in poverty, a la Lincoln, a la the other greats, uh, leverages what I think is a, a divine part of, of reality. And I'm not surprised to hear that parents love the the history and the message that you bring because it's speaking to our true nature. You know, I truly believe that life is love and love is the uh, the ultimate reality. And that gets repeated by the wisest going back centuries. Yeah. And it's also if you, you know, if you have a full belly, if you can afford a day of contemplation, if your life isn't a desperate struggle for survival, which they want to drive most, if not all of the world to in order to be the the rich at the top um you know a day spent in nature or by a nice stream or river it it proves you can feel you know how how good everything really is we're down to our last minute and a half anton and i uh invite you to repeat underscore or add you know maybe something that we haven't covered so far well i i i see you know, in the two parties, they they maybe maybe each one stresses a different enemy, and I would like to challenge people on, on that basis. You know, the U.S. lectures different countries, including China or Russia or anybody else, about human rights and uh, and about you know violating the rules, and that's you know the U.S. violated all those rules. And the people that are giving these lectures, their factions were the ones that murdered the African Americans after the Civil War. They closed down Reconstruction. They betrayed. And time we're down to we're down to about 30, 30 40 seconds. So, so I just wanted is, to, yeah, underscore Anton Chaitkin dot Substack A N T O N C H A I T K I N dot Substack. And I we're going to stay in touch. I'm going to have you back. Good. I'm going to invite you back. You tell me if you come. And please finish volume two as uh, soon as you can. 
and um, you know, it, it's I can't I can't over describe how empowering it is and the youthful zeal it gives me to want to do all that I can, a la the heroes that you do describe. And this is TNT Radio. <laughs>